All you need is love. That's right there in the Bible, isn't it? Right next to scriptures about love the sinner and hate the sin. And of course, many places that talk about how we need to aspire to love the greatest feeling in the world. That's all scriptural, right? Hey guys, and welcome to another exciting episode of Your Life, God's Word. Thanks for joining this time of relevant conversation and scriptural application, where we apply God's Word to the most important areas of life, God, family, and community. We pray this broadcast inspires, encourages, challenges, and blesses you in every way. So without further ado, let's dive right in to this week's episode. So in honor of Valentine's Day coming up in just a couple of days now, we're going to talk a little bit about love. It is in the air. It's in the atmosphere. Can't you feel the love? Well, actually, we're going to go through uh, probably a couple of weeks on this topic because it is indeed a very vast topic. As I'm writing down notes and going through some of this stuff, looking at it, I'm thinking there is no way we're going to cover this in uh, one week. And as we really think about it and you go through these scriptures, I mean, it's a huge theme all throughout the uh, all throughout the Bible. And of course, uh, in our uh, modern day, I mean, love is one of those things that just gets thrown around out there all the time. I mean, oh, there's so many varying opinions on it, and yet so few of them are accurate. And so why not take a couple of weeks to really dive in, really talk about this, and really get the full and true scoop on what's going on. So let's uh, let's dive right into the kind of the first session here. The first thing I want to do is I want to establish that love is more than a some nuanced kind of side issue in the scriptures. When we go to the Bible, we we begin to realize that love is so much more than we might find at first glance. Now, I'm fully aware that people abuse and misuse love out of Scripture, and we will be covering that over the next couple of weeks in this series. However, I want to first establish something that I believe is important for us to understand, and that is love is doctrine. I know when we start talking doctrine, when we start looking at things, people tend to, people tend to think of you know, those deep the deep topics, the deep things of the word, um, you know, things like theology, you know, who God is, your, what's your Christology, you know, what, what do you believe about Jesus, um, some of these uh, $25 words here, soteriology, right, that's what do you believe about salvation, uh, pneumatology, right, the study of the, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, ecclesiastical, I had to look this one up, by the way, uh, ecclesiastical polity, that is governance, ministry, operation of the church. Well, a lot of these things people will look at as doctrinal issues, and uh, indeed they are. 
Indeed they are. But so often when it comes to people who are strong on doctrine, strong on teaching, strong on the word, uh, love kind of gets uh, thrown to the back burner. You know, I, I've heard a lot of people refer to, oh, slape, agape, you know, and, and kind of, and I have actually in the past many times, and still do joke around about slape, agape, um, but that's with a full understanding of what agape actually is, and studying the scriptures and realizing the preeminence and importance of love in the Christian walk in the kingdom of God. So what I would like to do is not say we should abandon theology and soteriology and these different things, but that we should, uh, we should rightly prioritize some of what we do. We should rightly prioritize the things that we study in the Scriptures. We should rightly prioritize our attitude toward the things of God the principles of the kingdom of God. And I believe one place to do that is when we turn to Mark chapter 12. We go to Mark chapter 12. We're going to go kind of verses 28 through 31. It says, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Right? Jesus was always getting into these discussions and debates with these folks. And um, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, you know, had he answered in any specific way, he could have gotten himself, you know, quote-unquote, into the air quotes right now, in trouble, but of course this is God in the flesh, and so Jesus knew exactly what to say. The most important one, answered Jesus, this is uh, Mark twelve twenty nine. the most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, I've heard people kind of quote this and kind of stop right there and then immediately go into the Shema and, you know, oh, God is one, this is the most important commandment. But if you think about it, I mean, that's not, where is the commandment there? The most important one is, hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is is the commandment here? We're supposed to listen to that? Or, I mean, is he saying the most important commandment is that we're supposed to believe that? What exactly is the command? And, and, and I think people, what they do is they focus so much, again, right, on theology, that they forget the command is in verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So look at that. He, he pulls out two commandments. Both of them are the same, love. He says you are to love God, and you are to love others. You're to love your neighbor as yourself. So he, he, he so intertwines these that basically they're, they're almost inseparable. 
And uh, as we go and we start to study the scriptures, we'll see we'll see how that is, and we'll we'll talk about it. But but think about this for a minute. Here Jesus is, and he has the opportunity to say, "Here is the most important of all these hundreds of laws and rules and regulation." I mean, this is Jesus' opportunity. Give us some good, strong doctrine, man. I mean, just talk to us. Tell us what 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 is it about? And he goes straight to, I get it, I know, the mushy, gushy, he goes straight to love. Now, now, could that be because love is not this mushy, gushy, kind of side category, this thing that, well, I mean, you can, you can take it, you can leave it, um, as long as you've got great theology, as long as you've got you know, a great doctrine of salvation, you really know what the scriptures teach about how to be saved. Um, Love is an extra thing. Or, again, right, right here, pulling from scripture itself, could it be that the most important thing really is love? Uh, You know, so so let's go let's dive into this a little bit more. Now, you know, maybe that you know, maybe Mark just got it wrong. You know, of course, if you if you believe the the scriptures are uh divinely inspired, you you wouldn't go that route, but you know, maybe maybe that's not really what it's saying. Maybe there's more to this. Maybe I'm being just a little too overboard on a scripture that I happen to like a lot. Maybe I just got done talking about all that stuff and it really I'm I'm just I'm just straight up sloppy agape. But let's go look First John chapter four. Okay. First John chapter four. We're gonna look at verses nineteen through twenty-one. We love because he first loved us. Well, that makes sense, right? God is the one who is perfect love. He reached out to us first. We didn't come up with this idea. God is the one who gets to decide what the parameters are. And God is the one who decided it's because of love. So, we love him, right? We love because he first loved us. Verse 20, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a... Now, I didn't say this. John did. You take it up with him now, okay? If you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar. If anyone... (laughs) right says they love god and hates their brother he's a liar for anyone who does not love his brother who he has seen right whom he has seen cannot love god whom he has not seen and he has given us this command whoever loves god must also love his brother. Now, you know, folks, we can we can say, oh, I love yeah, I love my brother. I love my brother. But 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 and we'll again get into this a little bit more later, but let me just say this right here. Come on, actions speak louder than words. Everybody knows this. Uh actions are where it's at. God is the one who said through John, right? Inspiring him to write the holy scriptures. If you hate your brother, you do not, you cannot, you don't even have the capacity to love God. I wish we could all just get a hold of this thing. 
We need to love for real. And we need not, oh, I love God, and then we look down on our brothers and sisters in Christ. People over here, over there, they're a brother in Christ. Oh, maybe they don't see everything eye to eye. It doesn't say though brother equals those who see everything eye to eye with you. We just don't see that in Scripture. Paul goes to great lengths in the epistles to show that there are certain things that are what I would call non-negotiable, and some things are negotiable. And just because someone sees it that way doesn't mean they should be disfellowshipped or, or, or pushed out or treated harshly. They're a brother. We just don't see everything eye to eye. We can agree to disagree. One thing that we cannot agree to disagree on is strong doctrinal truth like the need for love and the need to love our brother or we don't really love God. That's non-negotiable, okay? So we can negotiate on some things, but we need to love our brother. And if we don't, it was God who, through John, said, you're a liar, you don't actually love God, because looky here at how you treat your brothers. Ooh, wow, tough. Now, if we go back a few verses in 1 John, um, to chapter 3. I want to read some things here. First John chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 14. It says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Now, again, this is strong language, folks. This is not like, oh, you know, you can show, oh, yeah, we love, you know, it's easy to love everybody out there when the, the, the house is packed on a Sunday morning, we're busting at the seams, there's all these, one, oh, look at all oh, those 15 people that I invited all showed up. I love everyone in the room! But how do you love when someone who doesn't pay much in tithes rubs you the wrong way? What's your love look like then? What does your love look like when somebody wasn't quite paying attention, you had a flat tire in the church parking lot, and they drove on by? What does your love look like then? What does your love look like when you heard through the grapevine that sister so-and-so was talking bad about you? What does your love look like then? I wonder. You know, again, we need to boil it down to what the scriptures teach, what the scriptures show. And I, I just love God, and I love the, 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 the apostles. They didn't pull punches. They, they knew what they were, t- and they just, they knew what they were talking about, and they just told it straight. So here we go, right? We, we've passed from death to life, but if you don't love, you're actually still in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life. What? What are you talking about? You hate your brother? You're a murderer? Well, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What is he talking about here? Here we go. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This, then, is how we know that we belong to the, ooh, the truth, 
and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Now, I've heard, you know, I've heard that um, that quoted. I've heard people say in this next verse, uh, 1 John 3, 21, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what he pleases or do what pleases him. Um, but folks, look what he says he commands, and this is his command to believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gave us. Now, a lot of people would like to jump around and go to... It talks about truth in here. talks about obedience to Jesus. talks about the Spirit. But all woven in here, folks, is the love for God which is demonstrated through our love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, let's think about that for a second, though, right? Let's just back it on up. Back it on up. Beep, 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 beep. I don't know how that's going to come across in the podcast, but it uh, sounded pretty good in here. So listen, listen to this. If our brothers and sisters in Christ, right, in Christ, by one spirit are you all baptized into one body, according to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? They've got the Spirit of God in them, right? They are. They are the church. They are Christ's hands and feet. They are, they are the physical representation of Christ in the earth. And so, right, it makes sense. You have to love your brothers and sisters. you got to truly love them. You have to love them because they are the representation of Christ. <laughs> so, oh, I love Christ up here in the in the nether realms, the 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 the, the spiritual, um, the 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 immaterial, right? The ethereal realms up here and somewhere in the metaphysical. But no, no. If you truly love God up there in the metaphysical, <laughs> you have to come on down here where the rest of us live and love people who are lateral to you, right there. Not in a vision in the third heaven. You love people who you're sitting next to on the pew or the chair on a Wednesday night. Now, that person, right? How do you treat them? How do you talk to them? Well, how, how is that love made known to them? It's through our actions. Oh, yeah, I love everybody, right? Yeah, because you got to say that because you want to you wanna go to heaven, <laughs> right? Well, you can't go to heaven with hate in your heart, so I love everybody, Right? Well, no, we, we actually really need to love. Now, this is doctrine, folks. This is doctrine. Truth, spirit, life, obedience to Jesus, wrapped in right here to these. I can encourage you. Go read 1 John chapter 3, please. Go home, read 1 John chapter 3. If you're driving, uh, don't do it right now. If you're operating heavy, heavy machinery, don't do it right now. But go pick up the Word, pray, read it prayerfully, put it down, pray again, we need to get this in us. We need to have the real love of Christ. Now, if you're thinking, oh, but it you know, talks about giving to people and deeds and all this stuff. What about being used and abused? You know, what about being misused? What about people taking advantage? Don't you worry. We're going to talk um, in this series about what real love looks like. Real love is just not total permissiveness. Real love is not, oh, I've got this, you know, I've got this cousin that's an addict 
that you know always hitting me up for money and bright i mean and he's a you know he's a believer he's got the holy spirit he comes to church you know once every 13 months so you know i'm just supposed to he, he, i need 100 bucks here you go bro got to love indeed that is not what the scriptures teach come on folks we know this but we're going to teach it we're going to show it in balance but whoop let's rewind a little bit before we go there we're going to say but we need to get that love in us. Oh, Jesus, Lord, help me to love like you did, to have the compassion you had, to show love in a real way to my brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, we know that when we love our brothers and sisters, that is how we show we truly love God himself. And that's why I tie it back to Mark 12, well, um, yeah, yeah. I think it ties directly back to Mark 12. I don't think we need to go into a whole lot more scripture here. Um, there's lots more, but I want to take those those couple of portions. You got First John chapters three and four. Kind of read through that. Look at Mark 12. I think there's enough there to to really show and tie it in that the the chief commandment, the chief doctrine, the chief commandment is love. You got to love God, but. <laughs> You can't really love God properly if you don't love those people beside you. And that's why Jesus didn't just stop, well, the, mo- the bigger, the greatest commandment, the bigger one of all is uh, love God, by your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He had to say, and the second like it is this. Why? They're so intertwined in God's mind. They are so intertwined that they, yeah, they're one and two because... God is above. God is the ultimate. That's the one you love, heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, everything to God. But you got to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I love this. We know the gospel. We know the gospel, right? Preached right here in the in the in the scriptures, revealed in the New Testament. It's amazing. It's powerful. John 3. I love I love John 3. John 3, 16 and 17. God so what? Loved the world that he what? Gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I want eternal life. Who doesn't want eternal life with God? What drove him to do that? It was love. But check this out. Did you know that before we got there, we had the Old Testament? Did you know, I think most people know, Deuteronomy 6.4 is where Jesus drew the, you know, the Shema, right? The, the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But where did he get this love your neighbor as yourself? See, that's just Jesus Came to show us the way, man. Came to show us the extra. Came to show us, you know, where the Old Testament just got it wrong. Or maybe not didn't get it Maybe Yeah, that's too strong. Didn't get it wrong, just it, it didn't go that far. Well, actually, no. Jesus was quoting from the Old Testament when he said, Love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19 and 8. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but... Love your neighbor as yourself. 
I am the Lord. Oops. <laughs> right there in the Old Testament, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, again, I'm going to say it here. Well, again, we can talk about it more. But your neighbor, that just that doesn't just necessarily mean somebody moved in across the street. They came over and said, man, I really like your car. Can you give me the keys? And we, oh, pff, here you go, man. You, I love you, and I, I love indeed, so here you go. That is not what the Scriptures are teaching, okay? And over and over in 1 John, it talks about your brother, right? And then when we go over to the book of Galatians, right? If you, if you look at Galatians chapter 6, uh, again, this is, now this, right, this is Paul, right? Who, who, who is it in Galatians? We've got, we've got Mark chapter 12, and then we, then we roll over to, right, 1 John. We've talked about it there. And then Galatians was written by Paul. So Galatians chapter 6, and we go over to uh, verse 10, says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. But look how it draws the distinction. All people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Now, we are supposed to be good people all the time, to everyone. Good. Just love people. But there is a difference, there is a line drawn between those who have come into the household of faith, they're the family of believers, they are children of God, they are brothers and sisters in the Lord. There is a scriptural distinction drawn between them and everybody else. Not that we treat everybody else like garbage, not that, oh, it's us and them. No, but that if you got $5 and that's all you can give, right? You can either give that $5 to a brother, you can give that $5 to just some random person on the street, right? They're both in need. Uh, your brother should take precedent. Your, your brother in Christ should have preferential treatment. So if you don't agree with that, I mean, just, I guess you don't agree with some of the New Testament. That's fine. Uh, maybe there's other areas you don't agree with, but that's what the Bible says, especially, right? Special, special, especially. So, and again, right, the Bible is just constant about, well, going back to Leviticus 19.18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor. Well, who was their neighbor, right? Their neighbor was, it, it was the people in Israel. Um, they were not to be evil and vile and wicked to everybody else, but there was a special line and distinction drawn, and that same line is there in the New Testament as well. So, let's go back to Mark chapter 12. Are we supposed to love everyone? Absolutely, right? Well, who is my neighbor? And then he goes into the, you know, the what we call the Good Samaritan. Well, it wasn't it wasn't just someone who was a Jew doing good to a Jew. We are to be good to all, of course. But my point is, especially though, to the household of faith or the family of believers, depending on what version of the Bible you happen to be reading. Now Right here, I want to take a minute, and I want to talk about real love versus fake love, okay? Because there's a lot of, oh, you know, the word love is love, right? I think I've established love is serious, it's real, it's doctrinal, it is perhaps the chief doctrinal teaching <laughs> in the entire scriptures, so I think what we need to do is get that locked into our lives. But let's look at something. 1 John 4, 8 through 12 now, whoever does not love 
does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Now, some versions say only begotten, and, um, you know, we can we can get into whether it's, it should be only begotten or is it mon- monogamous? I'm just going straight off of memory here. Is it monogamous? I think it is, is the Greek. Um, I'm certainly not a Greek scholar, but I've done enough research and things to, to know there's a little bit of a debate here. But for now, we're just going to say, hey, one and only son, right? Send him into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He re- love requires action. There was a there was a song by, um, by DC Talk back in the day. You remember, you remember DC Talk? Toby Mac, right? Uh, well, remember when it was DC Talk and it was Toby, Mike, and Kevin all together? You remember that? Well, they had a song called Love is a Verb. And this song, I mean, it basically drew, drew right from Scripture this kind of idea that love requires action. The word love, love is a verb. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, drawing back from, you know, 25 years ago, <laughs> something like that. If you are under the age of 25, you probably have no, maybe even under the age of 30, I don't know. I mean, you probably have no clue what I am talking about, but look it up. It's a, it's a good song, good message, and DC Talk was, yeah, they were the bomb back in the day. So we have a sacrifice for our sins, right, is how God showed love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Again, 1 John chapter 3, chapter 4, go read them. They are they are just, just rot. They're ripe. They're full. They are saturated with all kinds of incredible doctrinal truths regarding love. Um, so check this out. God's love re- required some kind of action. It's a giving love. It's a giving love. It led to sacrifice. What does our love look like? What does our is our love some cheap? Oh, I love Jesus, and then you know I'm never actually you know getting into the presence of my brothers and sisters. I go to church, you know, once every six months, something in there, and say hi, high five a few people, and oh, I love Jesus so much, though. Really. Um, not, no, no, I I don't think you do. Um, not in truth, not in truth. And what we want to do is we want to love God in truth, the correct way to love God, right? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my my commandments. I don't think he said, keep my my, my commandments. He said, keep my commandments. Um, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we just read in first John, I'm not going to redo it, right? The command to love and the command to love your brothers, Seriously, for real, get in there and do it. Um, so, what do we need to do, right? God's love is complete if we love correctly. Okay, we oh, God's love is complete, right? Just I put love. I've got a sign when you walk in my house. I've got a sign over the door that says "Love lives here." Or, love speaks here. You know. And I'm not against signs in houses, right? But it doesn't do any good to put a sign up, live, laugh, 
love and your house is full of turmoil and hate and meanness and <laughs> disarray all the time. Yeah, the only time you're laughing is when it's bitter laughter. Um, uh, no, it'd be better to have that in your heart and not have the sign. Have them both. But <clears throat> anyway, what I'm saying is we need to love correctly, right? John 14, 15, if you love me, obey what I command, right? What happens is when we turn God is love into love is God, that's where it becomes a problem. That's where it becomes a problem. And I, I can't remember who I first heard say that, like that way. Um, I, I, I'd love to give the attribution to them. I listen to a lot of folks and I, um, you know, just... I cannot remember who it was I first heard say that, but the problem is when you turn God is love, which is absolute truth, into love is God. That is not true. Um, because most of the time when you turn that around, you end up with the human version of love. Humans tend to tend to degrade the purity that is God. And so God is love, but when we turn love is God, sometimes some bad, 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 bad things come out. And I, we're going to dive into this more. Like I said, this is going to be a multi-part series of this podcast talking about love. But one of the, the greatest ways that evil is perpetrated in the world is to throw the word love on the banner somewhere, right? We're going to do all this sinful, evil, dark activity over here, but we're going to call it love. We're going to call it loving. It's because we love. That's why we want to do all this horrible, rank, vile sin. It's love. Don't you love people? How dare you say they have sin in their life? You don't love. Okay, that's when you start getting the idea of love is your God, right? And what happens at that point? That's when we start getting a human version of love. God needs to be the one that dictates our view of love. If we have God is love, or that God is the first and priority, then when we, when we want to love, we will go to Scripture and we'll find out how to properly do it, how to love correctly. John 14, 15 is one of those. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Well, how are you going to know what he commands if you don't get in the Scriptures and learn it? How are you going to know what he commands if you don't get around people of God and hear good teaching where... Oh, I never heard that before. I never thought about that before. I've never seen that scripture before. Let me go study it. Let me look at it. Let me thanks for, you know, that iron the sharpens iron. How are you going to learn it if you're never around it? Okay? John 13:35 says, "By this all men will know you're my disciples if you love one another." Again, we've already gone through a lot on loving brothers and sisters. This isn't just in your local congregation, folks. Oh, did I forget to say that before? This isn't just your local congregation right? You have brothers and sisters that don't sit in the exact same square footage as you, and so you treat them with disdain, you treat, you look down your nose at them, or our building's bigger than yours, or flip that around, our building's smaller than yours, you got that big massive mega church across town, and you know, you guys aren't about love, you're not about community, we only got 40, and so we know what real love and real community is. Man, get off that junk. You know what I'm saying? Come on. You can have a small church that's dead, has no love. You can have a medium church that's dead, no love. You can have a massive mega church with 35 campuses around the world, and there's no love, right? It's not the size of the church that matters. 
It's the obedience in your heart. Are you actually loving like Jesus said to love? 1 John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And we already read that, but just, again, touching on it, right? Not just, oh, I, yeah, I love you, my brother. See you next week and on Sunday, hopefully. That's, no, in actions, in truth. There is a true way to love, which means what? Oh, that means there's a false way to love. That means there's false love. That means there's all kinds. There's, there's you know, 31 flavors at Baskin-Robbins, I think. How many flavors there still are? I just again, I'm not, oh, I guess I'm out. I haven't been to Baskin Robbins in forever, but I know there used to be 31, so we're going with that. If there's 31 flavors of love, I can promise you 30 of them are completely incorrect. There's only one correct way, just like there's only one correct flavor at Baskin Robbins. Okay, and that is, of course, good old cake batter ice cream. Now, I don't know if Baskin-Robbins actually has cake batter ice cream, but I'd love me some cake batter ice cream. Put some little white chocolate chunks in there. Oh, man. Now, when I say I love ice cream, is that the same as I love God? I mean, we use love interchangeably all the time, right? I love, you know, the Green Bay Packers. I love me some football. I love a cheeseburger. I love, you know, my job. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my dog. I love God. Now, we said love for every single one of those, but folks, surely all of us realize if you love a cheeseburger like you love your kids, something's going on. Either you have a really crazy type of love for cheeseburgers or your love for your kids needs some work. You know what I'm saying? I love fishing and I love my wife. Um... Th- th- those two loves really should not be the same, okay? And pro tip, the bigger love should be for the wife, <laughs> okay? So, <clears throat> again, I-, I just I just wanted to throw that out there, right? We-, we have all these human ideas of love. It needs to be God is love, so we can love in truth, we can love in reality, we can love correctly, and not love is God. When we get that turned around, we we make a mistake. So I, I, I would just ask, right, who, are, are you ready for real doctrinal love? Do you want real doctrinal love? Or, you know, are, are, are we, do we just want to have, you know, real Christology and, and, and toss love out the window? I am here to say that 1 Corinthians 13 has an answer for that kind of mentality. Are you ready for it? Let's look. Let's look at First uh, Corinthians thirteen in closing here. You're just going to look at. Uh, let's let's just do chapter thirteen one through three. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have the faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Skipping down to verse 13, and now these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Now think about that. 
You can be a super charitable person, giving to charity, doing all kinds of stuff, giving all kinds of money. A, a, philanthropi a, a philanthropist, philanthropist is what this person is. But you know what? There's selfish reasons for giving sometimes. Sometimes people just want to see their picture on a magazine, or they want, uh, I don't know, a door or a room named after them, a college named after them. Um, some t I'm not saying everybody that gets something named after them, eh, that's what their reason is, okay? I'm just saying... There are other motivations, right? I want a tax break. I don't, I mean, no, no, you know, there's all kinds of reasons that you, you're you guilted into it, right? <laughs> Somebody just got you on TV and they're like, oh, would you, you know, you've got, you're a multimillionaire. Would you like to give this $100,000 donation to these, these kids over here that are struggling and dying over here in some foreign country? Are you saying you don't love kids? Are you saying you don't care? Oh yeah, here, I'll stroke a check. I mean, <clears throat> there's lots of ways that we can show um, love. And just because we do that action does not mean it's driven from love. And so you would think, well, oh, man, you got such great faith, and you're out here ministering, and wow, these people traveling all over the world, and, you know, just sharing the love of Jesus. No, there's reasons like I like to fly on jets and drive nice cars and eat at nice restaurants. That could, I, I like speaking in front of large crowds. That could drive you to preach a message in front of a lot of people, and it has nothing to do with love. Uh, Paul ran into this, right? He said, hey, people. some people preach Christ out of, out of sincerity, other people out of impure motives. And he said, well, hey, at least, at least Christ is being preached. So, hey, you know what? That can definitely happen. So what is he saying? I can speak in the tongues of men and angels, right? The gift of prophecy, all mysteries and knowledge. I know and understand, and it can expound upon them. I have faith. I can just say, move, you giant mountain, and it's moved. But what if I don't have love? Then I am nothing. Wow. Nothing without love. I would say that the doctrine of love is the first doctrine we really, we really need to understand. We really need to get that down. We really need to have that as a bedrock, a foundational principle in our lives, our churches, our communities. Imagine if every church really got down. No, we, we need to love. We need to love like Jesus did. We really need to be loved. How is my love doing? It, has it grown cold? Has it grown stagnant and stale? Right? I get it. I I have been pastoring for years. I, I know that thing it can wear on you. Sometimes you, you you go to the go to the moon and get some moon dust in a jar and bring it back for them. And eh, I mean, you can do all kinds of stuff, and people just just don't care. People can run you ragged. The same problem, ten times, twenty times, fifty times. Not listening. Not I get it. A brother and sister has done you wrong. Somebody has trampled on you. Somebody, I get it, a, a preacher who was supposed to love you has, has hurt you and mistreated and abused you and used you and took your money and took your time and took your trust and just squandered it. I get it. But, and I've had most all of these things I just said, most all of that stuff I've had happen to me. I, I get it. And so I am with you when you say, but sometimes my, my love grows cold. Sometimes... It needs to be stirred, it needs to be fanned, it needs to be... I am with you, but I'm saying we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard that love so that if 
something tries to destroy it, tries to take it, that we can step back and allow it to be pure again. Let it be washed in the blood of Jesus. Let it be washed in his spirit. God, help us to stay alive in love. I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that we would be able to always walk and abound in the love of the Lord. Help me to have the, the compassion of Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. Help me, help Bread Breakers, help the people that are listening to this podcast. Let us retain, obtain, and retain the love that you want us to have. And let us understand, know, obey, and live the doctrine of love. I love you guys. God bless you. Walk in the love of Christ, and we will catch you on the next podcast.